2 Kings chapter 20. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and dying. Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Yahweh says, set your house in order, for you will die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to Yahweh, saying, Remember now, Yahweh, I beg you, how I walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart, and I have done that which was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had gone out into the middle part of the city, Yahweh's word came to him, saying, Turn back and tell Hezekiah, the prince of my people, Yahweh, the God of David, your father, says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you will go up to Yahweh's house. I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you out of this, deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Isaiah said, Take a cake of figs. They took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What will be the sign that Yahweh will heal me, and that I will go up to Yahweh's house the third day? Isaiah said, This will be the sign to you from Yahweh, that Yahweh will do the thing he has spoken. Should the shadow go forward ten steps, or go back ten steps? Hezekiah answered, it is a light thing for the shadow to go forward ten steps. No, let the shadow return backward ten steps. Isaiah the prophet cried to Yahweh, and he brought the shadow ten steps back, by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. At that time, Beradak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Hezekiah listened to them and showed them all the storehouse of his precious things, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the precious oil, and the house of his armour, and all that was found in his treasures, there was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah didn't show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? From where did they come to you? Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country, even from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear Yahweh's word. Behold, the days come that all that is in your house and that which your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says Yahweh. They will take away some of your sons who will issue from you, whom you will father, and they will be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, Yahweh's word which you have spoken is good. He said, moreover, isn't it so, if peace and truth will be in my days? Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, and all his might, and how he made the pool and the conduit, and brought water into the city, aren't they written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh his son reigned in his place. So, um, Hezekiah gets word from the prophet that he's going to die. Now, a lot of people, they, when they hear a word from the Lord, uh, at least in the Bible times, they don't challenge it at all. They just accept, all right, that's a word from the Lord. And, but as it turns out, there's a place for challenging it. <laughs> and Hezekiah does it right now. He goes to the Lord and says, Lord, 
you know, you said, you know, you know, he basically says, Lord, I've been good. What have I done to deserve this? You know, I've been perfect. My heart's been good. And so he, he pleads to the Lord to change. He doesn't just accept what the Lord says. He tries to change it. And um, Moses did this too. Like in, um, the, in the desert, God says to Moses, I've had enough of these Israelites. <laughs> I'm going to wipe them out and start with you. And Moses says, Lord, you should reconsider do you really want to do this? Think of what people are going to say about you. So Moses gets the Lord to change his mind too. Now the Lord really likes that, weirdly enough. So this is a type of challenging where it's respectful of what the Lord has said and it's willing to accept what the Lord has said but asks him to reconsider. It's not a rude challenge. Like sometimes people challenge the Lord where the Lord says, you know, this is what I want, and people say, uh-uh, I'm doing what I want. So there's like a challenging that's kind of like disrespectful. But Hezekiah here isn't disrespectful. He says, Lord, remember your servant, remember me. It's humble, it's dependent on the Lord, and yet it challenges him and says, Lord, can you change? Moses does it, Abraham does it with Sodom and Gomorrah, although he doesn't take it far enough. This is what we call supplication. It's a type of prayer that's deep and earnest, it cries out to God, it's, it's depending on him, and the Lord loves it. And we need to include it in our prayer lives. So what happens is he cries out to the Lord, the Lord gives him 15 more years. Now here's a question, if the Lord, if you knew that from this moment on you've got 15 more years, would that make a difference to what you were gonna do with your life? For a lot of people, it doesn't seem to make a difference. We know that's true, because people know that life expectancy is, you know, on average 80 years or 85 years. And all 65-year-olds, <laughs> they know on average they've got 15 years left. But does that make a difference to how they're living? Well, I think for some people it does. But for many people, they just keep on living one day at a time. And um, so I think if you knew you had a set number of days left, Hezekiah is one of those few people who knows exactly how long he's got left, it would cause you to consider the way you live and make the most of it for the Lord's sake. But not everybody does that. Now in this story, the Lord gives him the 15 years and two things happen. Number one, he, they get a poultice of figs, or in this translation it said a cake of figs, and they put it on the boil. Now he must have had some kind of a physical ailment, a boil, it said, but something which was like in giving his body an infection or something. And so they, they actually create medicine, a poultice of figs, and they put it on and the medicine heals. But the Lord said he was going to heal. So we've got an example here where the Lord is the one who heals, but medicine is used as well. So there's this like debate that goes on sometimes in churches, you know, should you trust medicine or should you only trust the Lord? But here we've got a story where we've got both. The Lord is in the medicine. So you're trusting the Lord, but you're putting on the medicine. The Lord even said to put on the medicine. It's what the Lord commanded. And in the New Testament, we've got a huge big chunk of the New Testament. In fact, the biggest portion of the New Testament is written by Luke, who's a doctor. But the New Testament is full of stories of healings and miracles, and Luke writes a lot of them down you know, even resurrections. 
So there's no doubt that God is a miracle-working God. God is a healing God. Jesus Christ goes to the cross for our healing. And yet, the Lord works through medicine too. And sometimes that's how the Lord heals. It's sometimes in the process of medicine, like in this chapter, that the Lord heals. And on top of that, hospitals are an idea of the church. You know, you've got hospitals are spread all around the world and Christians have been at the forefront of, you know, healthcare and nursing and it's a mercy. So it's it's through the kindness and compassion of Christians that we've got modern healthcare. So it's not necessarily a case of one or the other, it's a case of both. And so I find in my experience that if I get sick, I do both. <laughs> I put my trust in the Lord that he's healing me and recovering me, but I also do whatever medical things I need to do as well. Like for example, when I broke my leg playing football on the concrete, <laughs> I um, went to the doctors and got my leg strapped. You know, we put on a cast, but at the same time I was asking the Lord to heal my leg. And I'm trusting completely in the Lord, but I'm also doing the practical thing that you do as well. You know, if you have a heart attack, by all means, call the ambulance, but at the same time, you're putting your trust in the Lord to heal. You're doing both. And this chapter is one of those places in the Bible where we get an example of both. And I don't think there's a contradiction in the two. Now, sometimes people cross over the line where they don't really trust the Lord. They're really only trusting in medicine. That's not really right. That's not doing both. That's really only doing one. And um, But sometimes you see people who, they go to the other extreme where they say, we cannot have any medicine because that wouldn't be trusting in the Lord well, the stories like this in the Bible show that you know the Lord uses medicine sometimes. That is his way of handling the situation. So um, if the Lord ever calls you to not apply medicine and it's very clear to you, by all means, follow the Lord's direction. But it seems wise in as a general course of action to do both. And that's always been my approach. So in this chapter, uh, we have a sign. So the, the Lord says to Hezekiah, you know, I'm going to give you a sign that you're going to be healed. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or back 10 steps? And it says this was on the sundial of Ahaz. Now Ahaz is his dad. His dad must have put a sundial in the garden or something. And there's all these steps, all these markers. And he says, shall the shadow go forward or back? Well, of course you're going to say back because it goes forward all the time. That's the only way it does go forward, you know, like a clock, you know. Imagine the Lord saying, shall I make the clock go forward or the clock go back? Well, no, back. It always goes forward. So what happens is the shadow on the sundial goes back 10 marks or 10 steps. Now that's a genuine miracle. That's kind of like the sun standing still in, you know, Joshua chapter 10. And uh, it's like, you know, the sun going, the sun going black during the crucifixion. You know, it's, it's one of those incredible miracles of nature. And some people have said, oh, wouldn't all of the cosmos, cosmos be thrown out by such an event? Well, I don't think God, the God who makes the cosmos is bothered by something like this. God is able to do these types of miracles without affecting cosmology at all. <laughs> he just knows how it all works and he can just do what he needs to do. And he doesn't do it very often but I, God's able to even cause the shadow to go back and somehow everything's still the same way it was before as well. God's just remarkable like that. Years ago, I was, um, I might have told you this story, but I was, had gone with a friend to Robinson's Gorge 
This is John Batley who plays the mandolin in our church services. Just watch some of our church services live and you'll see John. One of the, you know, one of, I would say, right up there with Australia's great musicians. And uh, he performed, he's performed at Tamworth on a number of occasions for great artists and he's on albums and things and just his mandolin playing's just perfect. And, uh, but John's a friend of mine. We went camping at Robinson's Gorge and this particular place, the roads were, were of the type of soil where if it rained, you would get stuck. And if it rained significantly, you'd be stuck there for a week or two or three even. Significant, you gotta wait for the soil to dry out so you can drive out. Well, we drove in and it was dry and we walked all the way down, several kilometers down this gorge and that's when it started raining. And we knew we had to get back to that car and get out of there pretty much instantly we were really worried we'd, we'd walked down the gorge for a whole hour we started walking back we we're walking fast but weirdly enough we got back in 10 minutes and um i know people always when they hear this story they always say oh you just weren't looking at the clock you know but no what took us an hour to get down we managed to cover back in 10 minutes yet the entire time we didn't run we were just walking briskly and by all rights, that should have taken us at least a half an hour or 40 minutes of brisk walking. Um, but somehow, the Lord altered time and the cosmology just for us. <laughs> and I know people will be skeptical of this story, but I'm just sharing my experience of something that happened to me. And from then on, I've always known that the Lord can just alter things in your experience without affecting the entire rest of the world. Like, he didn't suddenly just pause time for the whole world or anything. You know, the whole world just went on at the normal time. There weren't any newspaper reports of the missing 40 minutes or any of this type of thing. Time just went on like normal for everyone, but if for us, somehow, it was different. And, and I just, I've always thought, you know, the cosmos didn't have to necessarily be different, but for Hezekiah, it could have been different because God was giving him a sign. I don't know how God did it. He could have changed the whole cosmos. He could have gone, ooh, like a disc jockey, you know, changes the wheel and everything just goes back. He could have done that. That's true. He's quite capable of whatever he wants. And I don't think that we need to kind of explain it away. The Lord just did a miracle. It's as simple as that. <laughs> we don't have to get all bothered about it. He's a wonderful, wonderful God. And I'm going to finish with this thought. It comes from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. Hezekiah was a great, great king, a really good king. But yet the Lord had already decided by this point that he was going to send the Babylonians and he was going to destroy Jerusalem. He'd already decided. Things had, were already past the point of no return. And in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 14, verse 24, the Ezekiel prophet said this, Son of man, if a country sins against me by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its food supply and send famine on it and kill its people and their animals, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job, were in it, they could only save themselves with their righteousness, declares the Sovereign Lord. So what the Lord was saying to Ezekiel the prophet was, there comes a point when the Lord is going to judge, and even the most righteous of people like Noah, or like Daniel or Job, even the best people, at that point, it's got to a stage where only they themselves will be saved, but it's too late to reverse. And this is the case here with Hezekiah. Hezekiah was such a, a, a great king, 
We haven't even read all the best parts about Hezekiah. They come in Chronicles, which we'll get to later. And yet he's such a great king, and yet it's too late. And the Lord says to him that the Babylonians are coming. And he realizes, well, at least it's not in my lifetime. <laughs> and <laughs> so um, uh, you and I, we have an effect on the world. But sometimes the purposes of the Lord have kicked in to such a point that our own righteousness only affects ourselves. But I don't think it's that late for Australia. You know, Australia has been going down this path of moral decline, and, but it's not too late. We haven't got to this point of no return, which had happened here. And so our prayers can make a difference. The righteousness that the Lord has given to us, we can live in that righteousness and it can impact things. It's not too late and we need to put our trust out and believe. Father, thank you for the faith of Hezekiah. Thank you for his supplication by which he lived another 15 years. I thank you for the miracle and the sign that you gave him. And thank you all that we learned from this chapter. Lord, bless us and strengthen us. And I pray for Australia and for the West that it's not too late that, Lord, your grace would come once again and, Lord, there'd be revival and, and cultural change and transformation for the sake of Christ here in Australia, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.